But I've seen most people, when they deal with this chapter, they speak about the miracle, the sign, the wonders, ooh, which is great. And it's nothing light, because these miracles validate Jesus Christ being the Messiah. And it shows the deity of Jesus Christ. It shows the awesome power that Jesus had being God. But this morning, I want to focus on something entirely different, and that is the humanity of Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is God. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, but he's also flesh, fully God and fully man. And that is a point that most of us, a lot of us grapple with. We have a difficult time thinking of Jesus being flesh and bones and blood. You know that the first heresy in the church was called Gnosticism. And it was a heresy that did not deny the deity of Jesus Christ. It denied the humanity of Jesus Christ. It said that all material is evil. Therefore, Jesus didn't have a real physical body. He was just a phantom. And they had all these silly stories that when he would walk on the sand, he wouldn't leave footprints. They denied the humanity of Jesus Christ. I think as human beings, we tend to prefer to think of God as a distant, invisible God. But Jesus came to reveal something completely different. He came manifest in the flesh. So the Bible says that he was in all points tempted like you and me. He could relate to you and me. He was human. For a minute, do me an experiment. Touch your hand. Touch your flesh. That's what Jesus felt like. Just like that. He was flesh and blood, although he was God at the same time. That's why Paul said, Great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. Now, with that background this morning, I want to touch on a few things, a few points that are obvious and very simple and probably points that we don't think often about concerning Jesus Christ. The first is I want you to notice where all of this took place, the setting that it took place, verse 1 and 2. On the third day, that is after his appearance in the Jordan, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. The setting was a simple village wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. Very simple, bride and a groom getting married, a few friends and a few relatives getting together. But in those days, a wedding was a big deal. They really made a big thing out of it. And all of the houses around that house were invited. The neighbors were invited. It was such a big deal. It was a feast that lasted seven days. They had the wedding feast, and then afterwards the couple didn't even go on a honeymoon. They stayed in their own house for seven days, and people came and visited them. What a drag, huh? <laughs> but in those days when they would have a wedding, the bride was picked by the groom's parents when they were still quite young. The groom's parents would find a nice little girl down the street and say, she's kind of cute, she'll be his wife. And that would be set. The groom would choose, or the groom's father actually would choose, and it would be arranged when they were still children. And then, about a year before the wedding was called a year of espousal or engagement. And that is where they wouldn't live together, they weren't officially married, but they would be committed to each other as if they were. In fact, during this year of engagement, if you wanted to break off the wedding, 
you'd have to file for legal divorce. It was a year of commitment. And the groom would come to the father's house of the bride, present him with a letter of his intention to marry, along with some money, which was called a dowry. Now, a dowry was sort of like alimony in advance. In case this guy reneged out of it, or divorced her, left her standing, since it was very prominent in that day to do so, she would be covered. So he would present her with a dowry. Then the wedding day would come. And this wedding day, the festive occasions were made ready, uh, the tables were set at the house, and they waited till the evening. At the evening, the groom and a few of his friends would go to the bride where a few of her friends were. And he would come in the night, knock on the door, and escort her to his house. And they would go through the streets with torches and the canopy over the bride and groom's head, and they would take the longest route possible through town to get as many people involved as they could.